Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. <laughs> My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we have no idea what this one will be. <laughs> at uh, all. Yep. At all. So, we're going to do something totally different. We're going to do hot takes on hot topics. This is off the cuff, people. Yeah, this was literally this- invented in the last 20 minutes. Hot topics. <laughs> No, we have not been drinking. Uh, yeah. So we are digesting, we, however, it's true. We, just we both lunch. ate a massive lunch and we have a guest. Do you want to introduce her? Sure. Uh, Get up closer to the mic. Say button. your name Grayson Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he yeah, he just wandered in the room and we said, sit down and talk. Yeah. So here, here he is. He is the genius behind this. The, uh, so if this goes bad, it's his fault. Yeah. I was going to say the frequently unwell-oiled machine will become well-oiled today. Yes, you guys don't understand that, but a standing comment I make at our church when, like Sunday, I get up to go do the Lord's Supper, and it's right at the end of the last song, and our song leader is looking at me kind of funny, and I'm wondering maybe she changed the order of the songs, and this isn't the last song, but I'm now up here. And so then we made a joke about being a well-oiled machine. <laughs> Anyhow, anyway, so Grayson Grayson just recently came on staff, uh, but he also is one of the two genius minds behind what blog? Uh, the chorus and the chaos. And yes. What do you do? Uh, basically, make memes. As little as possible. <laughs> 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 Sit on Photoshop all day. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I'm getting paid to do here. <sighs> yeah. So, but, you, but you're a, you're a blog. Yeah, and we, you I write mean, and we've been doing it for probably about five years now. But uh, I'd say probably the bread and butter is just a lot of quotes from theologians, and then we write on different topics as well. Okay, and it, it's pretty well read. It's a well read blog for the most part. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean for the most part? Well, we're on Patheos, <laughs> so we get all sorts of. Oh, different is that people. how you say it's not Patheos? I don't know it's how it's pronounced. I just kind of yeah, the Greek Patheos. <laughs> No, I mean, we get uh, an eclectic grab bag of people on there because it's such a broad platform. Everybody's either atheistic or you get Buddhists. Sometimes you get literal pagans that'll come. You know what I hate about it is that I can't use my normal, um, what do you call it, browser to read it because I got so many ad blocks running. And so it keeps me from doing it. So I have to actually open up whatever is the newest thing of Windows Explorer and because I have nothing on it because I never use it, and then I can read your articles. Well, and those guys are just slammed with ads. Yeah. Oh, they are? Yeah. That's how they make all their money. Oh. Yep. Well, it's a good blog, and we recommend. Yes. So check it out, Course in the Chaos, or Pathos. <laughs> Pathos, Pathos. <laughs> they can go to as well. So what, so why is it called Course in the Chaos, though? So, uh, Jack Lee came up with that name. nothing to do with what we're going to do in Hot Topics. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Jack Lee came up with that name. His basic rationale behind it was that, I mean, you think of the church today, and it's kind of this grab bag of opinions on many things, right? And so his whole goal behind it was, at least in some sense, to be kind of that voice calling out in the middle of the wilderness, some sane voice in the midst of all the stuff going on. You know everyone thought John the Baptist was crazy. Yeah, well. But he wasn't, I guess. So so really it should be the chaos in the chorus. Chaos in the chorus. Yeah. So I'll put that in. I always yeah. thought it was Submit that it, you were the chorus in the chaos of that whole blog, the Pathios. I mean, that became part of it, right? So 
Because that, that thing's got a lot of whack job. It, it really does. Um, that was actually one of the reasons why we decided to go on there. It's because it's kind of like the virtual Areopagus of our day. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I apparently don't go there very often. So, no, it's, I mean, any belief system under the sun is on there. Huh. So, we, we draw in people from all over the place. Which is why then you get those people commenting. Yeah. I They're mean, apparently I've actually gotten annoying. death threats in the past. What do you mean you apparently? How do you well, not know? I don't read the comments. I just kind of <laughs> post it and I just kind of ditch out. But Becca does, or she did at least at one point, and she's like, yeah, you really angered some people. Like, and who's well, Becca? She is my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm. See, we knew that, but our listeners don't. Yeah. Got to remember, you're <laughs> you're talking to people who are listening from Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, so, so we actually have some scripts, right? We do. But Well, we... Are you going to get to the mic? Yeah. Dude. Listen, I'm I'm still recovering. Barely alive right now. So feel bad <laughs> yeah. for me. How many days were you sick? A week. I'm sorry. But thankfully it was on a week that Grayson was preaching for me. So Yeah. <laughs> actually he did a nice job on that, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we're uh we're still uh, working through systematic theology three, right? So you're writing the deal on the church. How many you got left? Well, it depends. I mean, I got the women, the role uh-huh. of women, yeah. and that's a couple more. Um, and then we we somehow managed to forget the Lord's Supper. So we got to do the Lord's Supper. Oh, we didn't do that. I know. Oh, I thought we did. Yeah. Okay. And then I thought maybe, maybe one on the ministries of the church, just um, that would be a very simple one. And then I think we're done. Then we move into the the wonderful world of eschatology, which is a lot of fun. Yep. And you you said you wrote out a skeleton outline of how many episodes of that? I don't know how many of that one will be done, but I have a, I have a, a whole thing for it already. So I have got the first two episodes done. Oh, really? Yeah. All of this while he was sick, people. Yep. But I did write up a 25-episode outline. Oh, that's right. On Roman Catholic theology. Hmm. And so I am hoping... He doesn't know this, and <laughs> we don't know if it'll happen. We don't even know if he listens to this. If so, by the way, we'll be giving you a call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, um, w- we're going to work through the Catholic Church Catechism, CCC as it's called. Uh, and so I'm hoping that we can get Greg Allison on the podcast for an interview, because he wrote a, a wonderful book critiquing yeah. uh, the CCC from an evangelical perspective. And he's got a quite a broad background in Roman Catholic theology. So I, I'm hoping he'll be helpful too in just in how do you interact with a good Catholic and what are tips for evangelism and stuff well, like that. Well, that might actually be multiple episodes if we can get him to explain some of the root found. The thing that's so good about his book is he he tries to get you to understand there's some foundational ideas that are at work. And if you don't understand that this is how the Catholic Church thinks, right. then you'll be freaking. But you're stumbling over actually a secondary issue um, and not understanding how they got there. Right. Because so, we, we tend to. Complex. Yeah, we tend to quibble over points of doctrine or we'll debate on Bible verses. But what what I'm discovering is a lot of people don't understand, evangelicals, that is, is Roman Catholic theology is a system. If you don't understand the system, right? 
there's no value in talking about a verse or a point of doctrine that you disagree on. So I think he'll be helpful with some of that. I'm actually hoping that we can do the same with eschatology. Um, I don't know how I could do it, but I've got some ideas on maybe a couple of podcasts trying to peel back instead of just jumping into ah-mill, post-mill, pre-mill, that kind of stuff that people do, to try to get them to understand that there's an undergirding system at play, and depending on where you land on that, it heads you in a trajectory that you can't help, yeah, um, and you don't know it. And so people are squabbling, but they've never actually thought about what's you know the underlying stuff. So um, I told Mark Mueller because we interviewed Mark and Lena on the for our parenting thing. I told him to see if he can figure out how to patch him in like via a phone call. Ah, uh, you know how how do we do that? Um, if not. Do we fly down and meet with them face-to-face? I'd do that. I would, too. That'd be cool. Yeah. We'd leave Grayson here to just hold the fort. <laughs> no guests on that trip. You can sit here and just talk by yourself. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, uh, but you got a baby coming here in, like, any day now. I do, yeah. It's like two days, Lord willing. Yeah. Anyhow, so... So, so that's what's to come. Lord that's willing. what's again. We're, yeah. we're going to... Anything else you want to say? Nah. No? All right, so we invited Grayson because he happened to be in our room when he came <laughs> in to tape, and we started just laughing and talking, and one thing led to another, and we came up with this thing called Hot Topics or Hot Takes on Hot Topics. Who knows? If we'll, whatever. Um, I just, I'm just going to have – we put together a quick list of a couple of words, and we're going to talk. It, we, this may be an absolute sad mess of a idea, but um, – Kanye. I have no idea what's going on with him. None whatsoever. Honestly, so since, I don't. since we did our one or two episodes on Kanye, which is how I learned how to say his name. If well, you remember, he, I, I, I thought he was Kane. <laughs> Kane, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I don't. I've stayed out of... Uh, You've not seen anything go flying across the screen? Little hints or rumors? No, I see. I feel somewhat ignorant these days. I'm pretty well off social media. How come? I just, I just find it very toxic and de- just depressing. I mean, you just get down this black hole called liberals on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> That's one of my favorite sites. I might add. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I, I'm Not still on. Fa- I have a. I still have a profile on Facebook. Um, but um, so up at my church, the demographic seems to become being increasingly younger and I'm finding a lot of them aren't even on Facebook. Yeah. So I kept it for just pastoral purposes, but I'm discovering it's not even of any value. I'm going to say this, um, it, as an older guy, um, if people can tell me, if they can say, Hey, we recommend you check out this or this, I refuse to sign up for TikTok. I think there's a lot of problems with that. And, uh, you know, more and more, I, that one, yeah, there's just a lot of issues with a lot of those. Um, but if there is, a, like, the place where all the younger people are going uh, and, and this is the way that they're communicating, I'd love to hear about it because Truth you're right. Truth social. Because they're not, you, what? <laughs> you got it, you got an account, uh, uh, did you pre-sign up for Truth Social? What is that? That's, Trump. that's Trump's oh, that's Trump. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will. I have to. Yeah, I mean, actually, I hate it because you have to. Know, you have to know what's going on. 
Um, yeah, you were talking about that, how if he runs again, he won't have a platform, so he <laughs> I'll builds make my his own. own. Yeah. And uh, that's got to infuriate people. Yeah. Well, you know what's what's happening, though. Is you guys been tracking with Twitter where a sitting uh, – Ron Johnson, which is one of our Wisconsin senators, U.S. senators, they, they uh, turned off his Twitter account for like a day or two because he spoke about some issues that were actually – Facts, not not trying to say COVID's this or that, but I can't remember if it was COVID, the vaccine, or but he he spoke as a sitting senator, and they shut him off, and they just did it to another uh, senator as well, and it's like this is frightening that yeah you can literally silence and and a, a, about half the country's like good yeah um. Do you guys see any of that? You no, I haven't seen anything about that. But I mean, it doesn't. How am surpri- I the it most, doesn't surprise me. How can I be the most informed person? Because you are room? unbelievably active on Facebook. <laughs> That's why I am not. <laughs> He's watching. Cat I videos. what 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 I find frightening is how the extreme lefts left leftists, as I would call them, uh, are going after Facebook, even though it's kind of like. That was a massive vehicle for him during the elections, and they are. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, like AOC and them. Mm-hmm. They're they're dragging them into court and doing all kinds of things. Um, and my theory, I'm happy to be proven wrong. My theory is that it's kind of the last vestige of the resistance, conservative resistance. I mean, that's where a lot of people are still communicating and stuff like that is via Facebook. And so I think they want to just shut it down, get rid of it. Because they already own all the other media. So that's my working theory. But with also Trump's uh, platform coming out, I wonder if they're, they're trying to get laws in place now so that they can invoke well, them. Yeah, the cancel culture is still going alive and well. It's, it's shocking. Um, but they're starting to get more and more people given a pushback. I, I find that one, I don't know with his name. I, don't, I, I literally refuse to follow sports. Um, uh, I just recently found out that the our Milwaukee Brewers were in the playoffs. I, I had no idea. Um, the Packers apparently had a I don't great. Watch com- it, any of I don't. That, I, yeah. I refuse. It's like I I don't care. It's like I won't. I won't be one of those numbers that they can count so they can sell their advertising dollars um, while they're. But but apparently a couple um, some. Basketball player spoke out against well one about his he he doesn't want a vaccine and he I mean he there's no reason for him he's at the top of his health and I guess he's not allowed to play uh, but then there's another guy who spoke out about that the communist China is a brutal dictatorship and it's a and they're just shutting him down right and left and well you know why they're doing that well yeah the there's money. so much money that's just funneling through. But it's just very revealing to me uh, as I look at some people I, I know who are very liberal, um, and, and this is not a pr- conservative liberal. It's there. There's a biblical. I mean, at some point sure, these things right, intersect right. with the scripture, right? Um, but where they, they purport to believe in free speech um, until that free speech is not what they want. I just finished D. A. Carson's. Uh, Intolerance or tolerance in the age of intolerance, 
And that was actually done in the 90s. And it's freakishly, you guys read that? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's freakishly accurate. Yeah. And, and, and his, what he's saying, if it's not unchecked, it will lead here. And I'm like, well, we're there. Um, and, and, and you're just seeing it. And I think it's now coming into the evangelical conservative Christian circles. And I'm use quotes around the word conservative because, uh, I mean, can Wheaton now, they can't yeah. silence an LGBT. Right. It's like, what, whatever you think you are, you, you've now ceased to be Christian. Um, you may have pockets of resistance in in the organization, but uh, you know it's it's infecting that it's coming into southern, uh, southeastern seminary. You know, so many of these places where you always thought of them to be bastion. Uh, we have it on the list, but like Bethlehem Baptist Church, it's being that whole social justice CRT, all of that stuff's tearing it apart. Yeah, um, very fascinating how the fight is going and it's going and. And it just like the steamroll. Well, speaking of conservatives in the SBC, you heard about Mike Stone. Wait a sec, back, back, back to Kanye though. Oh, well, what do so, you know about him? Well, I only, <laughs> I only know that I heard, and it was like some passing headline went by my face that he wants to change his name to Yay or Yeah. I don't know Y E, but he apparently is still out there doing, doing stuff. I but I haven't heard anything, and so I just I thought. I, I think you said it was interesting how he just kind of dropped. Yeah, I mean, he was this huge, huge figure, especially among like the more reformed-ish type Christians, well, right? Re- well, Reform Pub, which I found to be a, the most obnoxious yeah. group on Facebook, but they don't think so. No, of course not. I mean, you're never obnoxious to yourself. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Kanye for a while was making headline news all the time because he became a tri- or became a Christian, but he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Is he still doing his Sunday services? That's what I I see. I don't know. I tried to find out. Um, he he did he did a uh, a big concert. He's supposed to be trying to release the next album, um, and I I got nothing helpful whatsoever. I if you remember in our podcast, we said that the best thing he can do is just stop stop trying to be a a, a pastoral leader, so to speak, and just learn. Come under. Uh, because he was starting to flirt with guys like Osteen and and others, and it's like the best thing you can do is find a faithful man, which he had found in that one pastor in um, California, be disciple trained, uh, begin to deal with the sin that's going to still be in his life and his relationships, and and just see what God might do, rather than using his massive wealth to platform yeah, yeah platform something that he's not yet strong in and so i hope that's what's happened but i i literally i just found it very fascinating that we couldn't avoid talking about kanye in fact we were forced even though that would not be our our desire to talk about kanye as an actual podcast um and now it's it, it's that 30 second mindset i was talking to our headmaster of our school the other day and he said that you can you can watch children in the classroom and you know which ones the parents give them screen time. And I'm like, I don't even know what you mean by that. He's like, meaning you give them an, a, an iPad a or, or and, and he says they have no attention span. Yeah. They have no ability to concentrate. They're just constantly flipping from one thing to another to another. And I I, I think that's kind of an, uh, what's happening with Kanye is I. You know something news out there, and so they're often already, and it's like must be exhausting if you're chasing 
that and trying to keep yourself always relevant. But all right, so that's all we could. We all agree we don't know anything. <laughs> I apparently know the most, and that is that there may be a name change coming, but nobody cares. No, in no. this room. No. Okay, now the one that you came up with that was I find fascinating. Well, I, I so Mike Stone, the he was running for president for the SPC, and he was I I don't. I hate to label it this way, but he was, I guess, probably your most conservative candidate. Very. Um, yeah, very conservative. And turns out now he is uh, suing Russ Moore, Russell Moore, who is the head of the Ethics uh, Religious Liberty Commission, the ERLC, the ethics wing of the SBC. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, he stepped aside like three weeks before the con um, the convention and all that, and it was a big to-do. Well, and then also so-called accidentally somehow letters that he wrote in-house yeah. got leaked and they were trashing Mike Stone. Right. Just, and people were gleefully using that against him to vote against him in the, in yeah, the meeting. Yeah. Well, now it turns out he's suing in public courts uh, Mike Stone for somewhere in the ballpark of about $800,000 for a, it's a defamation suit. And, I was very grieved and saddened to see that. I think it's just, well, one, it's not biblical, mm -hmm. but. See, now I can't vote for him again. If he comes up, I, I, I just don't think I will vote for him. Yeah. It's now, just why, sad. Why, why, why well, is I mean, that? The, because it was such a high profile case this year, the SBC. I mean, there were all kinds of secular media sources there and all eyes are watching the SBC and then this results and it's just, great, let's just give them one more reason to show how, were frauds, you know, and so I was unhappy to see that. I don't think it's a good thing. Um, certainly not good for the SBC. Certainly not good for Mike Stone. <laughs> okay, so you guys, how how would you, if you were him, how would you be working out? Because he he surely he knows the Bible, and where Paul says you're not supposed to be going into the public courts. You, you need sure. to work this out in house. Um, that you're literally def defaming the name of. Christ, which is interesting because it's a defamation lawsuit, and it's like, yeah, now you're defaming, defaming Isn't that the some name. that's irony of, there, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the word we're going to use, irony. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's how, if you guys were facing that situation because he sees himself as lost income and, and lost reputation and blah, 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 how would you rationalize? I know you, I know what you guys would say biblically. I'm saying, can you come up with any ideas in your mind how he began to systematically think this through that he finally said, yeah, I'm going to sue? Well, I, I would imagine it has to do with the fact that the SBC is not the church. And so this isn't something that's happening within the church technically. Um, how you rationalize that and justify that, I have no idea. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's a brother in Christ, right? It, has, it doesn't have to do with the fact that it's a local church or yeah. something like that. So you think he's, he, that's where he's coming from, is like the SBC is not a church, it's, it's an, a separate entity related to the church. I'm, I'm guessing at I mean, motives, right? What about you? I mean, I'd probably guess about the same thing. Um, maybe on a local church level, he's thinking of it too. Right, so he's thinking disputes on a local church level, you would handle in-house, and then because it's not local church, there's no real ecclesial authority that he can take him to task with, if you will. That oh, that, that's maybe his that's best recourse. That he thinks because it's not like a Presbyterian church where you could then call a session. I think they're called. And yeah, who do you appeal to? Yeah, right. because that that is the thing. SBC and people don't understand that 
there is no governing authority over the SBC church. It's not a denomination. Yeah, we right. are a SBC church, and yet the SBC has literally no authority over us. Right. Um, so because and they can't, and or and we wouldn't be part of them if they had. So I was thinking. I went a different route in my thinking. I, I was wondering if now he's not even part of the SBC. He's he stepped away from SBC completely. He's now on staff at uh, Christianity Today. Russell Moore, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah Russell Moore has, um, and and he's continuing to push his much more progressive views. I'll call it that. If in his mind, it's like I don't even think he's a brother in Christ. That's, could, that's could, the best. Be. I, that, I mean, that's possible. I mean, I don't know. I we're all again walking in ignorance here. We're just, but it's it's in the news, and it's I, I find it exasperating too. Either way, it's it's a literal shame. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it. it I find it unacceptable. So and, uh, go ahead. Well, I, I'm so I'm with you. I can never, I can never vote for the man in good conscience again. And I think he's pretty well secured his fate in the SBC at this point. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people would still be for him. Uh, and again, the fascinating argument of lesser two evils. I'm right. like, it's still evil, bro. Um, but I think there's a, the conservative, I, th I think the leaders in quote unquote conservative world, they, they fail to understand the, the people that they supposedly are trying to be the mouthpiece for. And they realize that a lot of the people who are in a conservative, whether politically or socially or in, in the theologically, um, for them, it's an issue of power. And, and for the, the quote unquote little person, it's an, an issue of biblical integrity. I'm just using, or philosophical integrity. I think like Rush Limbaugh was always good at reminding people, this is what conservatism is. And and it and it hit a chord for the average person, but I don't think that Mitch McConnell <laughs> holds that. Uh, he he he's all about power and money and and playing that game. Yeah. And I think I I wonder if like a guy like Mike Stone just that in his thinking it's like this was wrong and da da da, and he forgot. Yeah, but that's uh, well. The, <sighs> you remember when we went to Nashville? I had never been to a SBC convention before, and. It just struck me as to how democratic the whole thing is. I mean, almost to the, I mean, it was gross. Yeah, I mean, you, you had people you saw holding, congregationalism. Yeah, you had people outside <laughs> holding signs trying to basically assassinate characters for people that would be up for election on certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, are we the church or what? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what are we? So it, it is interesting how much the SPC has sort of modeled um, the, the democratic model of, of our country and that it is voting and those kinds of things. And so now I wonder if just in your mind, it's like, well, in politics, you sue. You sue when you're defamed in your character because now it ruins your career. Well, I wonder if people, when they just get so high up in the SBC, they just start feeling the same way that this is a job. It's not mm -hmm. the church. Yeah. And so now I have to sue. I just, yeah, I'm, I, I think there's too many conservatives who will take our kind of view of that is like no, and and now you betrayed our cause anyhow. So, uh, what we're looking for Pete, is people to come back to biblical fidelity, uh, a humble servant leadership that's not marketed; um, it's actually lived. Right. And um, in fact, that kind of gets into um, one that we have for the MacArthur Center podcast. So just 
looking at how different men have led um, and what behind the scenes what they're really really like. You can also I'm telling my co-host Grayson if he wants a second cigar he had a little one he can. Um, <laughs> it's like you smoked that quicker than I expected. Oh. Anyhow, all right. So anything else on them? No, none. Okay. Our thoughts on the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Have you guys been listening to it? I have. Yeah, I know you were listening to it. I, well. I, yeah, it was the. La- I think it's the latest one. They have a bonus episode I haven't heard yet, but I was listening to the latest one where it was all about the multi-campus and. Yeah, that's the- one I'm on right now. Okay. Yeah, for if people don't know that are listening to this, there's a Christianity Today put out a podcast called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill," and basically tracks the history of Mark Driscoll and that whole deal. The name of his church was Mars Hill. Um, very fascinating, very well produced. Um, yeah. It, it's the... They have like 40 people on this thing. It's yeah. like, if you ever think we're going to get that way, you better start buying <laughs> coffee mugs. What did, uh, what did <laughs> was it Austin Dunk or Austin, wh- whoever is at Grace Church, he said it's the new wa- newest watering hole at evangelicalism yes. right now yeah. is the rise and fall. Austin Duncan, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, <clears throat> So I, I've been listening to it. I have not caught the past few episodes. Frankly, I've become annoyed with the whole thing. Yes. Um, and maybe we can talk why in a minute. But I, there were some people at our church listening to it, and I had one of them come up to me after the service and say, hey, did you catch the last episode? I think it's when the one on women came out. Okay. And I said, yeah. And he just shook his head. He's just irritated. Uh, and I said, why? And he explained. And I agreed with him. I found it really annoying. Um, it's got a very, um, I'll, I'll just say non-conservative bent to yeah. it that I find annoying. Yeah, you have neoconservative, and what I mean by that is pretend conservatives yeah. running this this podcast. Yep. And so I sent him, I found uh, the MacArthur Center podcast, and, and it was very well produced. I think better. I'm actually enjoying it more. Um, so I sent, I sent him and another guy a text with it, and I said, so if you want to cleanse your palate. <laughs> that's funny because that's I, literally how I looked at it. I listened to one of the Mars Hill ones, yeah. and then I'd immediately play one of those because yeah. I'm just like, ugh, just dirty. Okay. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you guys like about the podcast? The rise and fall, that is. What, I mean, it, it is super well produced, right? So between the catchy music and the intro and between all – the kind of like ambient sounds throughout the whole thing. Like they're, they're well oiled in that sense, right? They're building towards a narrative that they want to tell and they do that well. Like they're, he's a good storyteller. They've got the music just at the right points. They have the interviews spotted precisely and, and well for that reason as well. Um, a lot like this one. <laughs> Hot talk. We need to get Mark going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that's where people let their guard down, right? Because it's so... Um, I guess ear catching. I don't know how else to put it, right? It's like you you live in the senses. You have good music playing. You have kind of like the ominous sounds whenever Mark Driscoll pops up, because you have to think of him in a certain light, and they're all gearing that towards that. So you're saying that they, uh, the listener, unbeknownst to them, they're that being they're being caught up. They're being caught up and led because it's such it's it's a story being told that's done so well but it's not necessarily the right story yeah i mean i i think he they're actually manipulating people 
and and they do it very cleverly, but they're doing it through all of those different cues that we, you know, we recognize good movies for the same reasons, right? And I think it's just one of those aspects of this whole podcast that the production value is there. And then they just lull people into that mindset. And then they can jump into all the different, you know, theological hobby horses that they want to hit. Apparently, it's a massive following. So I'm sure many of our listeners have heard it. Yeah. Um, so there's money. I, I, always, I always look at everything and say, whenever people are starting to ascend, the two issues that are always driving are money and power. And, and sometimes it, you reach that tipping point. I think this last episode, I'm, I'm only halfway through it, where it's talking about the multi-church. But I think it does capture um, somewhat of that tipping point because um, they're just pointing out how, like, Mark Driscoll was against multi-campuses and, and things like that. Uh, and he would, was very derisive. And then there was a switch and all of a sudden, he—I mean, you guys know that we got a letter here from Mars Hill back in the day, and they wanted no. us. Yeah, they wanted us to um, basically become a Mars Hill church, and they were very honest up front. It was offensive, but they said we can we can guarantee a two hundred percent growth your first year, and and here's what you have to do: you have to sign all assets, everything over to us. Uh, you stay on staff. We'll do the preaching, we'll do the teaching, we'll do the marketing, and, and, and we will promise that you will grow. And I was just incredibly offended, obviously. It's like, wow, wow, is that arrogance on, on display or not? But somewhere in there, he started becoming a rising, I mean, the Young Restless Reform Movement, and he became this icon of it. And it, I thought it reflect it. It's been a reflection of actually our nation. I think about like AOC. Uh, what's mm -hmm. her real name? Something something Cortez, Alexandria Casio, uh, yeah. yeah, something. And so she she's a, you know she's the young. She represents the young. And Nancy Pelosi, the very old um, Democrat Party, and they're both vile in their belief systems and practices, but. She's standing firm against Pelosi, and all of the younger Democrats, if you want to say that, are with her. And in the and and there's this power move, and it's going to flop. I mean, a, all AOC has to do is keep breathing, because um, Pelosi's in her 80s, I think now. And she so, yeah. in the same way, the Young Restless Reform Movement was filled with a bunch of progressive thinking vaguely reformed because they reformed because they listened to Piper and Sproul, but they don't even know why they're reformed. And that became a, that's the new growth. It's not the old guys like me. We're, we're dying. Um, it's the young ones. And he recognized he was making bank. He was bringing in and it just became a point of power. Um, and I think they're doing a good job of, revealing that, but I think they're doing it in an unfair way. Um, I, I, I find that also somewhat humorous because like the guy leading it, he was the former worship director for Sojourn Church in Louisville. Right. And that thing had its wheels come off um, in its own way. I, I'm, I'm like, I'd love to have him tell us that story, the rise and fall of Sojourn. Yeah. I mean, what they had, how many campuses? When we were went down there to three or four, three or four, I think it was four, maybe even five, and we I was there at 
among all these pastors in this this cohort, and and already the mumblings and the grumblings and the power plays were starting to go because the lead pastor was the lead pastor. He started the whole thing, and they all came in on his coattails, and now they're not liking that he's telling them what to do. And ultimately, he left. He's not even ministry anymore. And, and they all broke off into their own independent churches. And we had decided we didn't want to be with the sojourn. We were troubled by a yeah. lot of things we were seeing. Yeah. And we're thankful God protects us. But I find it interesting that he was part of that whole network that was a rising thing. And it fell apart uh, shortly after Mars Hill. Because I remember that was the topic of discussion as I was sitting with these other pastors in this spiritual leadership cohort. Um, and they were all young men. I was the old guy. And they all, the level of arrogance that many of them displayed, a lack of concern for, for anything other than, you know, the shifting of power. And it, it became very troublesome to yeah. me. So um, I, it, it's a good podcast in one sense. It does tell you this is how, this is what the church looks like. And when you sit there and listen to podcasts, I think we've said this numerous times that we're, what we're doing in this podcast is we're not talking to the person in South Africa or in uh, West Virginia. We're talking to our church. Um, they're invited to listen, but we're, we're, we're trying to make this a pastoral one. We're trying to guide our people and use this as a vehicle to help them that at any point they can look up on any of these topics and, and get they can know what their pastors are thinking. Um, and, and, and we make... I think we've sold 20 mugs. So it's not, I mean, we make zero money off of this. <laughs> well, we laugh, but I mean, we, right, we have not, this is not a convenient thing, uh, it, right. especially now that you're, you live up in Milwaukee. You have to drive down here. We have to find time to write these scripts. We have to do all that. Um, and, and what I, I thought about, what would we have to do to take it to the next level? And and what are the compromises? And I, and I and everything I know that we'd have to do, not one of them, I could do in a good with sure. with a good integrity. Um, so I agree with you. So anyhow, with that, you're right. The MacArthur Center podcast. If you guys haven't listened to that, you guys should and just search MacArthur and podcast, and you'll yeah, go just right as to well it. produced. What's so striking to me is plus the guy's got a phenomenal speaking voice. Yeah, and he's uh he's got a good humor sense of humor too. Yeah, um, yeah, he 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 is. He's he's sharp. But it's just there's such a stark contrast though between Driscoll and MacArthur because now he's chronicling, you know, fifty over, or sixty over, years over or fifty years whatever, as a pastor at um, one church. Yeah, yeah. and and you, you're hearing all the stories and. You're you're getting some of the behind the scenes stuff. MacArthur is such this you know this like figure that everyone sees, but it's like what shaped the man. Well, but then you get people like Julie Royce, and she decides she's going to try to stir up clicks on her site. Yeah. By interviewing a former librarian. What's so funny to me about her articles is aside it, from the gossip mongering. Well, <laughs> apart from that, um, is it'll be an article attacking some pastor who's after money. But then as you scroll through her article, there's always that little blurb in there, donate $30 to the Roy's report, you know, and she's like pulling, she's wanting money for all this stuff. And yeah, it's you're just monetizing like, this lady. Absolutely. Yeah. And so again, you're going for the clips, but have you heard the MacArthur Center then? I have, yeah. I actually enjoy that one quite a bit. Why? Why? <laughs> um, I mean, so I've always appreciated MacArthur. 
right? One of the guys that was a big influence to me when I first came to faith was John. I thought it was me. <clears throat> well, I didn't know you until... See, I thought it was me. I had no idea In who fact, either when of you he gave his testimony uh, <laughs> to the church the other week, he talked a lot about you. He mentioned nothing about MacArthur. No, actually, I didn't. I, uh, I mentioned you and... Obviously, John and, and Matt. For those here who are don't elders. know, even people in the church probably don't know this. You and I have known each other for a long time. Yeah, we went to high school together. Yeah. And you weren't on the swim team, were you? I was not a what? You weren't on the swim team, well, were see, you? No. That's how I knew David Hamilton, too. He was on the swim team in high school, and we were actually competitors. I forget that he, uh, he, he did that. Yep. Yeah. I just remember hearing some uncomfortable stories about walking across <laughs> campus in just my Speedo. And I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't live my whole life without hearing that story. <laughs> I mean, it's a whole culture that's in the swimming world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I still have not fully scrubbed that from my brain. <laughs> and now that's for everybody else's pleasure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the word we're, that's the word we're going to use for it. Okay. Yeah. So, but, so MacArthur was formative for you early on. Yeah. I mean, I listened to sermons from him and Alistair Begg and, um, you know, I was fresh as a Christian, just kind of studying the Bible on my own, and I had no idea what the heck I was even doing half the time. But uh, dude, help us out when we're passing the lighter between us, and I we just can't like reach to sit it. and watch you guys struggle. He's sitting between <laughs> us, and we're trying to pass the lighter to one another, and he's just dro- droning, just droning on. on. I mean, I'm wrapped up in in this. It's story all about you, isn't it? It is. Nobody you cares. Asked me a question, so <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Whose idea was it to invite I don't him? Know. Yeah. That was, no. I just kind of Go ahead. Him. What made him formative was, for oh, you? Um, what made him formative? For you. For me, in particular, it was, you know, I was reading the Bible, and um, in, in many ways, I was just trying to understand what I was reading. And then here comes John MacArthur as just this formative expositional preacher. He's going verse by verse. And at the church I was at, I just wasn't getting that. And so it was immensely helpful to just see books of scripture laid out and be able to trace not only the theme of an argument in a particular passage, but the whole book. Um, so, I mean, that was what drew me to him, but he also just has a style of preaching that was just very different. In what sense? I know what. what. Uh, he's no nonsense, and I appreciate that. So for me, it was, here's a guy that's just going to get up and tell you what's in the scriptures, and if you don't like it, then so be it. Right. Well, I mean, you guys know the only reason I'm a pastor is because of John. Yep. Um, stumbled across him on the radio back when that's the only thing. Um, the thing that stands out for me is I'm here. I've got almost 25 years, and I'm here still, one, because they didn't fire me. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, obviously, right? Um, but I, in the times, there were two times, there were many times I got tempted to start looking um, but two times I literally went back to the Master Seminary uh, alumni page to, to go see, are there other churches? Um, I'm tired. I'm just tired of the fighting and the dealing with it. And I never could go beyond that. I saw them, and then I just closed the window out and just said, no, I, I can't do this. I can't do it. Um, and the reason I couldn't do it was because of John. He... I mean, he was my pastor for 10 years, but he modeled what I, I watched him because I was on staff there and I was able, so I, I got the in, inner knowledge, you know, and and I watched the fights. I watched the different, I mean, just. Well, he had a, he had a literal 
coups staged against him, didn't he? A few, yeah. Mm. Oh, they just never could go anywhere. They couldn't gain tra- traction. But yeah, I remember once he came back from his Pacific Rim trip. So he would always go away during the summer for like three months, and he would uh, just books would get writ, but he'd also travel the world pre- preaching and stuff. And and he came back and he was mad. He was mad because a power play had been happening. Um, and that was the first time I heard him preach in, in person. And he, he, he graciously, but no nonsense, rebuked the whole church and just told them, this is how it is, and this is what we're doing. And it wasn't like a Mark Driscoll one where, how dare you, yeah. you know, and all that. Get on junk. the bus or get under. Yeah, 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 none of that. It was just, um, look, this is what the Scripture calls us to do. And then another time, um, there was a big push to not give. There was this movement in our church to stop giving because people didn't like decisions that were being made. And so people started talking and say, well, we can just stop giving and we'll vote that way. And he, he made just a casual comment because he hated to talk about giving. Um, and sometimes the, uh, the administrator would say, John, look, just we're not asking to beg or manipulate, but we, we're short and we need money, and if you can just let them know. And then he'd get up and say, look, guys, our budget's a little short. You know, as the Lord might lead you, we, we'd ask that you would just consider that. And that offering, back this back in the 80s, that offering next week would be 250000 300000 It would just plop. And, and it it, it was during a time where the church was financially having some struggles and the new administrator was fixing them. But I remember once he just shared to the church, he's like, look, the the widow's might, right? The widow in the temple, she gave all that she had. It wasn't anything, but she gave all. And he said the system she was giving into was sick. It was it was wrong. But it was God's system still. It was still the, the church, I mean, the temple and, and Judaism was still the vehicle through which God was working. And she gave, and he's like, I know some of you are struggling and thinking about this, but I want you just to think about, are you giving because you agree with everything, or are you giving because it honors the Lord? And I'm asking just to think about, I was starting to think, I'm not going to give anymore. And he said, that's all he had to say. And he just went on. He delivered some other things and then preached. And and that changed my heart. Um, Just that it's like he's, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm still sitting in this pew. I'm still learning. I'm growing. I'm being challenged. I don't always agree with everything, but I I, I can't do it. I can't before the Lord. It was just one of those little pastoral comments. It was a throwaway. I doubt he even remembers it. Um, It wasn't a planned one. He just said it off the cuff. And it's like, wow. That's a good point. <laughs> Maybe at 23, I should rethink, or 27, or something like that. And I'm making a little bit of money. Um, maybe I should just shut up and obey the scripture and, and not, kind of going back all the way back to Mike Stone, right? I'm bugged, I'm hurt, but here's what the scripture is. Yeah. Um, he talked this last one about uh, in the school of adversity, he talks about his wife, um, and I was there on. I was working uh, for Grace at that time, and his wife was in a horrible accident. But I was thinking about in light of your sermon too, um, because I listened to the podcast the day after you preach your 
he, uh, Grayson just preached a sermon on Esther, and it's an excellent sermon. Recommend you go to missiodayfellowship.org, and you can download and listen to it. But you just told the whole story of Esther. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the way through it, it was God's, God's hand in it, the providence of God, right? And I was thinking about how the providence of God was found in that story, too, because there, his wife and daughter are driving. Uh, his son just happened to be on the – it wasn't supposed to be there, but happened to be on the road and saw the accident unfold before him, or actually in his rearview mirror, he, and then it dawned on him, that's mom's car. Yeah, I mean, just imagine. And so he gets back to it, and his sister was out bleeding and hysterical, but mom's crumpled in the car, um, and she's not doing right. She, she's got a broken neck, they found out later. But what didn't come out in the podcast was that uh, Matt MacArthur – all these other people showed up and said, we got to get her out. We got to get her out. And he sat there, and this is just acting like his father. He would not let anyone touch her. He's like, don't you dare move her. And, and he didn't know why, but he wasn't going to let her move, be moved. And then once the paramedics came, they realized there was a broken neck. They secured it, flight for life. And, and then what you also don't know is that the, you know that halo device that goes around that they attach to your skull? It looks like a big halo. Yeah. And it secures the neck while it heals. The guy who invented that was a Christian. I don't know if he's still alive, but he happened to hear that she had been injured, and he ended up in, uh, being in the operating room while the uh, neurosurgeons attaching that. So the inventor of the halo <laughs> device is in there, walking him through, so he does it exactly perfectly at Providence. Yeah. But but what was really humbling was how the whole church gathered around John. I mean, I remember on staff everybody was talking about how how can we take the load off? How can we come along? And I remember him telling the church for all these years my wife has faithfully quietly supported me and helped me. He's like this is the season where I have to come alongside her and help her. And nobody complained. Nobody was like, "Well, it's just like do it. Do it." And it was really a touching but it, it's the difference of a man who's literally pastored people, not just preached. And I think that's what most people are trying to do today. And they're, they're trying to get into a church, brand themselves, and they're trying to figure out a way not to um, be a pastor. They're trying to be a preacher. And yeah. we're, trying to, we're trying to model that in what we're doing. You know, it, it's a good – all that to say is it's an excellent – Excellent podcast. So I'm I'm driving up to help uh, a widow in our church. She has a cabin up north, and her pier had to get taken out. And I'm driving up with a member of our church to go do that for her yesterday. And I was hoping to listen to a lot of podcasts, but um, I had him. I said, hey, you mind if we listen to this podcast? I'm listening on Cultish, which is another interesting podcast. Um, And it was a topic on the New Thought new age and the word of faith movement and that's something i actually have a not lot of knowledge about and so we were listening to it and that he was literally squirming next to me as they're giving quotes by kenneth copeland saying that we are god that we are incarnate god and and after they did a series of quotes they said that's the kind of thing you actually squirm in your seat when you hear he's like i was i was (laughs) you know but at the end of it i was hoping to do the next one. And he's like, ah, I, I don't, I, I can't listen to that. I, I did, it bothers me too much. And so I thought, well, I'm definitely not going to listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill <laughs> with him. 
So I said, how about this one? And I put on the MacArthur Center, and he just listened to a completely different thing of here's that God establishes affliction in the life of the Christian for his good, um, which is so different than what you hear in most yeah. books. Yeah. All right, next topic. What do you think about the SBC Executive Committee? Uh, they waived their rights, and some listeners won't know what we're talking about, so anyone who knows about this, any of you guys, what do you know? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely read on it. I know um, it, essentially they waived their right to uh, due process, right? Uh, no, not, not due process. It's attorney-client uh, uh, attorney oh, attorney privilege. Yeah. And so the law firm that's been representing them for, like, ever, I mean, multiple generations, this is an old established law firm, they resigned, they quit, uh, because without any consultation, the executive committee said, we're going to, there's some issues about um, sexual abuse and this and that, but they're, they're like, look, this has got nothing to do with hiding secrets. This has got to do with the protection I, I, the lawyer client lawyer privilege right. thing is so necessary or you can never you the truth never can come out because um you actually endanger the person but but now in our world instead of that due process and a fair trial and stuff no longer matters it's what are you hearing on the radio waves anyone can come and make a charge and and right now everyone believes it rather than saying well let's let the investigation go out so, um, yeah, so the SBC executive committee, so now Ronnie Floyd, who's been leading that thing forever. He, he resigned, resigned, I believe. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah, oh, he's got something to hide. It's like, or he understands that literally. You're breaking the system. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's a system that's proper and good and right. So, again, we're, I, we're just watching the dismantling, I think, of the SBC. Um, and some will sit, some will, without thinking, will say good. And you're like, okay, but it's always easy to break stuff. Yeah. But what, what are you going to put in its place? Um, uh, I, I'm not sure I want whatever is going to be in its place in, in the end, but you guys have any other thoughts on that? Nah, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. I mean, to the other comments, though, it's, I mean, they are now attacking the actual system, but um, it's like all institutionalism. It's just wait a, wait a decade and... Once all those people who are currently in the system are cleaned out, what you still have is the system. So now it's just filled in with new people, and maybe they'll take it in a good direction. We'll find out. The um, problem is I don't have a lot of faith in that because the people who are filling those voids. I agree with you. Theologically yeah. and practically, I, I see a, a, a very troublesome. Well, we're, we're just watching, yep. yeah. and we'll see what happens. Fortunately, again, they can't affect us. Yeah. Um, On a <clears throat> completely different note, T for G is coming to an end together for the gospel. Yeah, I know. You, I got, just, you guys got thoughts on that? I'm glad. Are you happy about that? <laughs> I, I'm sad and glad. I, I always, I've, I've not been a fan of the gospel coalition itself for, I mean, after its first year, I, I think I began to just say, I'm not that impressed because the people that were on the executive board, you had, Chavidian, James McDonald, uh, Mark Dr Driscoll, Driscoll. Mm -hmm. you know, and I was just seeing it was that, well, it's what Carl Truman 
became famous for, unfortunately, where he he just openly said, you know, it's a celebrity culture. Yep. And I remember he, <clears throat> reading something that Carl wrote uh, several years ago where he he watched the uh, T4G conference. And he said, I heard a lot of fine sermons. He's like, but to be honest, I know of many pastors in the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, that are nobodies that could have done better. But nobody yes. wants to listen to them. You know, I, I keep thinking about uh, that passage talks about how judgment must begin with the household of God. And I just keep seeing the the fall of the celebrity yep. and and now even the very platforms that uh, have, you know, provided an opportunity for the celebrity to rise. That's just coming down. And so I'm, I'm happy about that. I am too. I think, you know, we're going to get back to ugly. just a pa- true pastors, you know, if, if you want to just pastor a, a people, a, a small church even, I mean, now you're, you're going to be able to, you're not going to be able to, or not going to have to compete with the platforms and the celebrities and those kinds of things. And so I think it's a good thing. I think people are also getting weary of big. Uh, I think, you know, our, our churches are starting to fill up primarily because they're not big. And I think people just want a church where they can be known and they can know the people, they can be pastored and those kinds of things. My my consistent statement in our vision and values, which is our membership class, is if your pastor doesn't know your name, that's a problem. And I, and I find them all being very refreshed by that because mm-hmm. they're coming from big churches where whether they're on a Sunday or not, nobody knows and nobody cares. And so for the first time they have access to a pastor, um, they wanna meet with me, they're having meetings like within a couple days and they're getting more than just scheduling a half an hour, two months out, which is what they were doing, which was insane to me. You have several coming from a large multi-campus church that's been kind of falling apart. Yeah. And didn't you have a situation like that where you met with a couple? Um, They weren't even members or they were just there a short time, and they said something to that effect that you have been more available to them than, or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't there. When I I heard through the grapevine from some of the other folks that have been coming, uh, they say it's a strange thing that you can actually have access to a pastor. And so when I actually meet with them and I'm able to meet with them, they say they're actually believing my words that they'll have access to me. And it just tells me all I need to know about the other churches and how much people just, they're not being pastored. They're not being cared for. They're sticking people in uh, leadership positions that aren't even members because they just need systems to keep the people and keep them busy. Uh, So you have, I think everyone who's come has been a small group leader at that church at one point in time. (laughs) I'm like, is everyone small group leader here? They're like, pretty much, because it's the vehicle through which their church operates. And so they're just sticking anyone in that role and there's no over, I mean, there's very little oversight. They're allowed to just do whatever they want in those small groups. And uh, it's like, boy, you're just creating a lot of damage there. I think you got, how about you, Grace? Do you have any ideas of why you think that the conference there, there, this will be the last one? Yeah. I mean, so it started off as a pastor's conference, didn't it? And then, yeah, then I they think women were invited, which, torqued all the egalitarians. Yeah. But I mean, the kind of long story short on that one, I think they kind of shut themselves into foot. So you have uh, TGC has always been purposely broad and T4G as well, right? It's all centered around the gospel. And yet... Supposedly. Supposedly. I'm not convinced. No. But the issue comes into play when you start to look at what many people want to call gospel issues, right? 
Right. Right. So I think of especially the way way our culture is right now, everything that's happening with BLM, with churches going woke. Uh, I think a lot of that had to just simply play into it, and then you start to add in all the other different differences that we might hold, whether it's egalitarianism versus complementarianism, all those issues that didn't get brought up, right? They're kind of forced in this day and age, right? So everything that happened with COVID, everything that happened with all the protests and the riots, um, for good and for bad, just got brought to light and forced. And so you see a lot of these people taking sides and you have a big division in the church, the broader evangelical church. So when it comes to something like this, you know, I, I kind of, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but in my, in my mind, I ask the question, okay, I guess the gospel's not big enough to unite you anymore because we have these dividing points. And so I think a lot of it just came down to that. I thought it was interesting that they would actually stifle the only kind of article they would allow on eschatological issues was a non-premillennial position. <laughs> And they would literally stifle it. And I laughed. I'm like, so we're all together for the gospel unless you're pre-mill. Then you have no voice. And then they they were complementarian. Uh, but but then that is getting vaguer and vaguer. Um, but, yeah, they used the they, – they, they claimed, okay, we can unify over – I wrote a blog, blog article on my old blog from years ago on this is that you can say you're for the gospel, but the gospel interacts with intersects with every other doctrine um, that the Bible teaches. You can't you can't just say, "Well, just talk about the gospel." Um, you can only do that a few times, and then you pretty much talked about the gospel. Um, and and they couldn't avoid those things. And and by having such a diverse group of people, I mean, you got Keller who denies the historicity of of, of creation. He, yeah. he a- advocates a form of Darwinism, which is I think hateful and evil, but he's there, and you, and you just had all these different folks, um, and and again they were appealing to the young restless reformed group, but but they put men into the leadership positions who were not proven men. So you had the big names. You were looking at how can we draw in clicks and listens and downloads and everything else, and it gets down to what I keep talking about: money and power. Yep. You know, the money's flowing in. How do we keep the clicks going? And but that Chavidjan, he's he's still being invited to speak at churches and everything else, but he's out of there. McDonald's shown himself to be what he is. Going all the way back to MacArthur, people can like him or hate him, but a man is still there faithfully ministering and preaching every single week and doing all the other things that he's able to do for over 50 years. And he's in his 80s. If you don't think he doesn't hurt when he gets up every morning, um, and he he's well off, he's wealthy, uh, but people forget, I think he's written over 50 books, I, I, well over 50 books, and, and he has royalties and everything else. What they don't know is, I can tell a story on that one, because I was director of human resources, is that he turned down raises every single year, and, and every time the elders tried to give him a raise, he made $80,000, that's all. Um, living in L.A. Living in L.A., he, he would not take any more raises because all of the other pastors were horribly paid. And, and he's like, this is wrong. And until they got an income that could support their family and take care of them, he wasn't going to take one. It finally got so financially difficult um, I, uh, that 
he finally did tell the administrator after several years of doing that, um, I, I could use a little raise. <laughs> it would help me out a little yeah. bit here. Um, and, and I thought, and again, that was one of those little stories that nobody knows about that endeared me, even though he wouldn't know that. Uh, it's like, there's a guy who's, it's not about him. Um, it's about the church and it's about something bigger than, and, and him, and it's not the brand. And I know he's a lightning rod, but um, he's still there, and all these other guys are, they, they, they've lost that integrity thing. Yeah. Uh, so are you glad that TGC is starting to descend, even if it's yeah. a sorrow yeah. over it? Yeah. I mean, there, there's aspects of it that you, you think back to the early days, and you, there, there's certain things that you can be appreciative for, um, but the the effect of all that's come about as a result of it i'm like it's it's no longer good and i'm not happy when i hear that people follow it and i actually warn them against it yeah yeah in our church at least <laughs> yeah and yeah okay uh along with that that whole celebrity thing you guys are we don't have much to say much on this but you know the bethlehem baptist church up in minneapolis john john piper's church uh their senior pastor resigned, and several elders have, and it's an absolute turmoil too. And they're being torn asunder from within over claims of bullying on the elder board, power struggles, but also this whole CRT social justice. Um, I, I agree with. You. I think the mega church is going away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they can. You can survive it. I think the younger crowd is so diverse and progressive and everything else. And I mean that not in a good way. Uh, I, I heard one story where, and it's from the guy's mouth, where he was talking, he was a seminary student, and he was arguing with Andy Nacelli, his professor, um, who's no slouch. And he kept pushing a different position, and Nacelli was the prof, and he told him, stop. And he wouldn't stop. It's like in my day, if a professor says stop, you just like, yes, sir. Um, you may not like it, but you would never challenge that. And and not only is he challenging it, but now he's going public and it's, see, this is this this bully mentality. I'm like, no, that's called having authority and submission. Um, right. You should be kicked out of the seminary if you yeah. can't come under that. You should, you're not ready for ministry, um, but instead you're whining because your professor is saying you're wrong and, and you're too proud to admit that maybe, maybe you haven't, has studied as much as Dr. Nacelli, who is a sharp guy. I'm not even defending Nacelli. I'm just saying they can shut up and grow up. And if that's what's going on in our military ranks, we're screwed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yep. uh, one other thing. Um, a- another thing I-, I enjoy keeping track of is uh, woke preacher clips. How many guys watch those? Yeah, I enjoy him quite a bit. I've not opened up Twitter in months, so. Well, I don't either. I just go to his site. Okay. Um, but he he uh, he quotes one Pennsylvania pastor who said and preached a sermon. He said, "Don't give your grandkids Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas gifts until they're vaccinated." So, what I really want to ask you is, what are your thoughts from a pastoral perspective, without going deep? Are vaccinated? Is the vaccination in and of itself evil? No, no. Why? Why? Why, Grayson? You're the least experienced here, so we'll let you flail <laughs> around <laughs> and get yourself in trouble. 
<laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, it's an issue of conscience for me. So yeah, but what? Okay, go ahead. Basically, it's one of those issues where, um, you know, Paul talks about being able to do things in full faith, and if you're not able to do that, then it's then it's an issue of sin, right? Um, so I look at things with the vaccine and and. There's no overt biblical command in, in either way, whether you should be vaccinated or unvaccinated or whether you should vaccinate your kids or leave them unvaccinated. And so my my outlook on that is if Scripture doesn't give me an overt command, I'm not going to bind the conscience on it. I can't. And so I look at this in, in much the same way on the broad level with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just letting yeah. you talk. That's broad all I have level to say. Of- on the broad level of just vaccinations, right? So in general. Okay. What about you? You said no. Well, I mean, it's obviously been a big issue. Um, I can't tell you how many meetings I've had in the past month or two on just this. Oh, I'm, really? I'm assuming you have as well. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, for my basic thing I've been telling people is two things can be true at once. You can have a legitimate virus medical issue at the same time, you can have grabs for power, yep. and people will are going to use that opportunity to grab that power. So I said, look at it as two issues. Um, first of all, from a biblical perspective, um, everything Grayson said, there, there's no command one way or another. Um, so in that sense, you can be neither for vaccines nor against them. It's just a neutral issue. Um, so if you're trying to figure out from the Bible what you should do on this topic, you should just stop because it comes down to your own personal conscience. So you're saying we're allowed to disobey the command to love our neighbor. That's what you're saying, <laughs> both of you. Um, you said it, not me. <laughs> um, so, so that's the one issue. Set that one aside. Now you got the other side of the issue, which just comes down to your American freedoms, which is where the, the conservative side, at least, is yeah. where the issue's at for them. Um, so right now, I'm telling people, what's the bigger issue in your mind? Is it the medical side, or is it you want to f- resist against the grabs for power. Um, And that is going to be up to you, whatever you want to do. As a Christian, you're free to do that. Um, When you're looking at the statistics of the thing, I mean, I'm not even going to make comment on it. It's up to you. But if you want to resist against overreach of power, which I think clearly there is. And the um, vaccination is just... It's just another extension of It's the means through which they're doing it. Um, Fine. I don't care. You're, You're free to resist. Um, at the same time, if, if it's more important for you to get the vaccine because of the virus in and of itself, I don't care either. Go for it. Um, so it's, it's a non-issue in that sense. So you, it's going to just come down to conscience. Do, do what you feel is right and leave it at that. But the moment that you try to bind someone's conscience, to use your phrase, that you must do this uh, or you must do that, I think you've, you've overstepped yourself. And so you're free. Is, is, is my bottom counsel to people. And yet, Piper just penned a, an article where he argues that we are free, therefore get vaccinated. Which So, so you're not free. Right. <laughs> I, I, it's the weirdest thing. And he seems to be implying that, if you're, that the people who are not getting a vaccination, um, the Christians who are saying no, they're doing it because they're being they're being treated as if they don't have freedom of conscience, that that they're being bullied into that, that if, if I take the vaccination, I'm making a political statement. And he's like, no, you're a free man, so go get the vaccination. I'm like, I, I, think, I think he's confusing the two. 
and I think he's missing the point. There are always going to be the anti-vaxxers, right? Sure. Um, and everyone can have, again, their thoughts on it. Um, I'm not against it either. I, you, know, you and I actually even concluded that if the vaccination is the means for us, we have to have it so that we can then go back to Ethiopia and other countries to teach the pastors we'll do it. You're free to. Yeah. Yep. I mean, because the gospel is far more important for me. Uh, so I'll do it in that sense um, because I'm not yet com- – I don't think that I have sold my soul to the devil or something if I got it. But we, but if you haven't got that, but we don't, we don't compel anybody in our church, what would you guys – how would you handle, though, if somebody in the church begins to raise a stink that we are in sin and, and it becomes a point of division? How, how would you – how would you deal with people who are yelling at you, saying, you've got to do this, you've got to preach from the pulpit that they need to do it, and and you're not loving your neighbor, and you're not, um, you don't care about the elderly in your church or whatever it might be. What would your response be on that? That's a hard one. I mean, annoyance to begin with. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I think I would, I would try initially to just instruct them. Um, and what I mean by that is just, what does it actually mean to love your neighbor? What does it mean to heed the conscience? Um, what does it mean to uh, even serve your elderly community within your church? And then from there, if the person is just continued to being divisive, you handle like any other issue of divisiveness. What are some, uh, uh, tell you what, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on, and then you guys piggyback if you want or not. Um, you're right. I think the vaccination all by itself is just a vaccination. Uh, it, but I think behind it, it's being used for power, yeah. um, and we see the grab. If what do you think then the vaccine man? What do you think about the vaccine mandates? Just yeah, let me ask you that. What what, what do you think is going on with the vaccine mandates versus the vaccine itself? I think that's a neutral subject, though yeah. not in people's mind. But I still think. I, here's how what I, I I met with a bunch of families in our church, and I mean they're one nurse. Well, several nurses and medical field and stuff, and they're being told you have to do it. And you can file for exemption, but they're just rejecting the exemptions. Um, and I said, look, first of all, there's nothing wrong with it. And they always look at – they tend to look at me, not every one of them, a, a little bit like alarm, like, oh, are you a hidden liberal or what? And I'm like, "There's, it's just a vaccination. If you want to get it, get it. Um, but don't think there's some spiritual – thing going on here where you are now more spiritual or you're giving up some spiritual uh, truth or conviction if you get it. You know, you have So when I look at that, I'm like, I, I keep that separate. The mandate is I find troubling. Yeah. Um, what do you guys, what troubles you, if at all, on the mandate part? From a Biblical perspective or an American well, yeah, perspective? And, but also, well, just as a, from a whole perspective of just a holistic one, I mean, it's going to flow from a theology, I think, or so your a biblical one's going to be there, but it, it affects our social, political, ethical, social connections. Yeah. And maybe, well, maybe if you don't, do you have something to say? Because if, I mean, if you're going to scramble right now, let me maybe talk a little bit and then... Well, you formulate. Well, you got an opinion, that, so I, I do have an all right, opinion. Go ahead. Uh, well, like, if you want to say I refuse, that's fine. I but what I've counseled my families to do is accept the consequences. Right. Um, right. You know, don't say we live in a free society, <laughs> and then an employer freely says I'm mandating this. 
uh, that's no different uh, in essence than a, a company mandating you have to wear a suit and tie. You just have to. Uh, w- women must wear a skirt. Uh, men must wear a suit and tie and uh, conservative shoes, and this is what it is. They have that freedom. Um, and if you don't like it, um, then step away. Go find a new job. Uh, I think that a lot of people are trying to play both sides of the game. They're saying, um, I demand to be free, and my employer is not free. And it's like, no. The employer is also free, and they can make that choice, and they can mandate that. I think it's stupid. I think it's wrong, unfair. But so what? Then, you know, how about all the doctors and nurses come together and create a new collective um, instead of saying, we want all of our benefits, we want all of our pay, we want all of our vacation time and everything else that we've got here, and you can't touch us because we don't agree with you. Because if it's not going to be vaccination, it's going to be something else or something else or something yeah. else. I, I think, think you I, have to be willing to accept the yeah, I would say, I, I would say maybe it's a little more fuzzy in the sense that a uniform is not the same thing as injecting your body with medicine well, that, but the principle uh, right would be this. i understand your principle right of, the principle who is cares though it's about. a free society and a company can do whatever the heck they want and let the free market then determine what happens so if no one wants to work for your company and you go under congratulations yeah right? well played um but but I, I think where people are struggling is because you know what's the old adage? all of a sudden my body my choice no longer applies um, <laughs> yeah the hypocrisy is right? astounding but, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Let the free market decide. And so if, if you don't want the, the vaccine, go find a new employer. And in fact, there's a lot of, um, not a lot, but there, there's some, some um, organizations now coming out that are creating websites where employers who are uh, pro-choice on the vaccination thing are, saying, are posting their job uh, openings there for people who are being terminated because they refuse to get vaccine. They're saying, Hey, come apply here. We're not forcing vaccines. Um, so th- those websites are now out there. And, and, th- and that's what I'm saying. The free market then is going to determine some of this stuff. But yeah, I, your counsel is the counsel I've been giving of you're free to make your decision. Just be willing to accept those consequences. Yeah. yeah. Now behind all of this for me is a bigger issue though. And that is when we talk about submitting to our governing authorities or those in authority, my position has been unchanged over the years. And that is in America, I can't talk about any other nation, but in America, the ultimate authority is the constitution. Every governing government official has to swear to uphold the constitution of both the state and the federal government. And the government explicitly, our constitution and bill of rights says that they cannot prevent the free. And that's, that's a key thing at the free exercise of religion. And, and that's something that I, I began to think through with the mask requirement. Um, if, if they can tell a church you can only only 25 can gather and they must be fully masked and they're not allowed to sing, then you have now had the government re- remove the free exercise and they don't have that authority. I don't have to submit to the government if they say you have to violate the Constitution because that is the ultimate law of the land. So I'm in sub- as long as I'm in submission to my Constitution uh, and the, what the Constitution says, I believe I'm, I'm safe in that, but I have to be willing to accept the fact that I could be arrested uh, wrongly, I think, unrighteously. I could be in prison. I could be fined, I, all that, but, but I'm not somehow in sin. Um, 
that because I'm not in submission to governing authorities. I, I actually had this when I was on staff at Grace. I had a guy threaten my position, my job, in a little power play. And my reaction to him was pretty strong. And I said, if you want to go that route, I said, go for it. I said, and I'm going to fight you. I said, and he's like, well, you need to submit to me. I'm your boss. And I said, I don't care. I said, you're my first boss, first tier, but I'm ultimately under the authority of the elders. And until the elders say this is how it's got to be, and I know it's not that way because I was high up, um, I don't have to, you're asking me to go against what the church teaches. And so I'll just take this to the elder board. And if they say, Matt, you have to do it, I'll do it. But you don't have that authority to, to make this radical de demand. The, the guy actually was wanting me to fire people who were, he felt overweight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Skin and, calipers. Story. Yeah. Skin calipers. That's what, actually why I said, do you want me to now institute a skin caliper test for all employees? Um, and, oh, he got mad. A BMI. And yes, but, well, that's what I was saying. I said, so what, what, yeah. what are we going to go by? What's the criteria? And he's like, well, they're in sin. And I said, so how fat is too fat? You've got you've to quantify that. You can't. And, and so he's like, let me make it simple. If you want to keep your job, you're going to do what I'm telling you. I said, no. And I said, I'll just take it to the elder board because that's who I'm in, ultimately in submission. I think it's the same thing there. Um, and I think that a lot of churches are going to be some at some point have to face that decision. That the church is being told they can only exercise their expression of religion this way, and at that point, you are now violating the constitution. It's it's I, I it, that's how it, for whatever value that is. That's how my thinking is working. Yeah, you guys think I'm wacky? Not at all. I actually agree with you, hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good principle. Ha, three of us. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on that? Nah. nah. All right. Well, we covered a ton of things. I think you that's want, good. We got a few more, but I think this is good, right? We'll do it again. Yeah. Well, I, let us know if this was interesting. I mean, this is freeform. There's literally no script or anything. So yeah. um, it's our little version of hot topics. <laughs> <Gosh. laughs> <laughs> like, share, rate, and review. Tell a friend.